Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words that I say. Let my teaching fall on you like rain. Let my speech settle on you like dew. Let my words fall like rain on tender grass, like showers on young plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he. But they've acted corruptly towards him. When they act so perversely, are they really his children? They are a deceitful and twisted generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Isn't he your father who created you? Has not he made you and established you? Remember the days of long ago and think about generations past. Ask your father and he will inform you. Inquire of your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of his heavenly court. For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. He found them in a desert land, in an empty, howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes. Like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young, so he spread his wings to take them up and carried them safely on his pinions. The Lord alone guided them. They followed no foreign god. He let them ride over the highlands and feast on the crops of the field. He nourished them with honey from the rock and olive oil from the stony ground. He fed them yogurt from the herd and milk from the flock, together with the fat of lambs. He gave them choice rams from Basham and goats together with the choicest wheat. You drank the finest wine made from the juice of grapes. I just thought it'd be good for me to, because uh, um, you're going to be listening to my voice a lot, to have another voice to read the scripture. Uh, plus, you don't count that scripture in the time that I'm, my preaching time, okay? So my preaching, my preaching time starts from now, okay? Not, not from the scripture. And, and to be honest with you, it, it, the Song of Moses go on further. And I noticed, you know, there, there are some slightly negative bits in there. You know, the bits that you weren't amening, you know, those bits, you know. Um, but, and, and I'll try to explain why uh, they are relevant later. But actually, we stopped at verse 14 because it goes even further downhill after that one in terms of the negativity. But there's lessons to learn from them, and I'll try to remember to explain why. But the thing is, the reason I'm reading from Deuteronomy is we're facing this... We'll have to start calling it something different. When Trevor's beginning his transition. No, we won't. We start, let's not go there. So, so um, uh, we'll call it something else. We're handing over uh, in, in three weeks' time. It's going to happen. And it's really the culmination of a process that's been going on over this last year. And um, while it's been going on, and in fact, for me, it's over two years really when I first began praying and listening to God about it um, and feeling that what God was saying. One thing, by the way, he was saying was that um, it was a, a new season was coming. 
And a, a new season would require a new kind of leader. And uh, that's when God started preparing me for it. And that's, that's fine. As Dan quoted last night at the prayer meeting uh, from, from Paul in 1 Corinthians, he says, you know, um, I planted and uh, Apollos has watered it or whatever. And, but it's God who makes it grow. And so Paul and Apollos are nothing. You know, Trevor and Alison Dan in one sense are nothing. It's God that this is all about. It's Jesus that it's all about. And we, we, we really were so grateful. Thank you for your prayer. Vinnie really, you know, had me choking a bit, you know, and uh, um, we're really grateful for what's going to happen on the third, but really it's all about him and his purpose and his presence. We know that, don't we? So anyway, but as I've been thinking about it, I've been looking at different scriptures from time to time about, well, you can't get away from the word, about transition, about things changing, about changes in leadership sometimes. So, for example, look sometimes at David to Solomon. But the one that has... Often I've kept on coming back to, and I think it's been very meaningful to Dan as well, is, is the, the transition from Moses to Joshua and for the people of Israel coming from the wilderness into the promised land. And I've just got this growing sense over recent months, and you'll have heard me use this phrase a number of times, that we are on the edge of promise. That we, there's just God is wanting to lead us into such exciting new days ahead for us. Yes, there will be challenges. Yes, there will be giants in the land that we have to overcome. But he's leading us into a good place. He's leading this church into an exciting future. We stand on the edge of promise. And so I'm looking at Deuteronomy. I've been spending a bit of time in Deuteronomy, particularly the last chapters from which that was taken, chapters 29 to 34, when Moses is preparing people for this change, this big change. And there are some parallels. However, I don't want us to go with all of the parallels. Okay, because at this point, Moses climbs a mountain and dies. So, uh, that, I'm not planning on that, okay? I'm not planning. In fact, actually, never mind die, I couldn't even climb a mountain in the first place. <laughs> as I'm still waiting for God to heal my lungs. <laughs> I tell you, well, if I did climb a mountain, I probably would die, actually. You know, that's, uh, we, <laughs> we just walked around Scammon and Dan yesterday, you know, the little bit of the hill at the end, you've got to go up again. I, I nearly wasn't here this morning. <laughs> so we're not going with that. And by the way, not, not only am I not dying, I'm not retiring. Let me just say, sometimes people have used that word, I am not retiring. I am only after all, in fact, actually, I'm 58 tomorrow. I'm 58 tomorrow. So that's young, isn't it? Yeah. And <laughs> so, and I know... I, I know there are, I don't mean this despisingly, but there are pastors who might just say, you know what, I'm just going to go on until I can start drawing my pension. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be obedient to the Lord and to do what he said. And so what's happening to me is I'm not retiring. I'm going to have a new role. I'm going on a new venture. I am climbing a mountain in one sense, a new adventure with God, scary but exciting. And I'm grateful to you for your support. But it is a new venture that I'm going on. There's another thing here that I did think about. Because Moses, as part of this time where he's preparing them for the change, um, he does a whole song. The Song of Moses, which Alison has just written from the whole of, he builds up to it in Deuteronomy 31, and then the whole of chapter 32, there's a song. So I thought, <laughs> over these last 25 years, my singing has improved a little. So Marcus, if you'd like to take to the keys. No, I'm, no. I actually spent my time thinking, what's... What song would I sing? You know, after all these years, you know, the long and winding road maybe, or I'm still standing. 
or things can only get better. I've got, I've got mixed feelings about that one. <laughs> um, but no, I, don't worry. I decided against it. I wouldn't sing to you. However, what I would say is what Moses does, what Moses' song comes from their story. What he does, he looks back at their journey together as a people of their story and the song comes from the story. Can I encourage you? Let God write your story. Don't let other people write your story. Don't let your own feelings and fears and regrets write your story. Let God write your story and then you will have a song to sing, a song of praise. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. So Moses is um, looking back at the, the story of their journey so far. And some of you might be thinking, you know what? We're on the edge of promise. Why don't we just get on with this? Let's, let's press in. I mean, Dan did the whole vision thing last week. What is he, what's he up here for? Take the mic off him quickly, you know. Uh, let's press in to everything. But what Moses did was he just paused before they went into the promised land. He got them to pause. He said, let's look back. Let's look forward. He lays hands on Joshua. And so what we're doing is just pausing over these next three weeks. And what Moses does is he looks backwards, but he, always looks, he also looks forwards. Today, we're going to do a little bit of looking backwards. In a couple of weeks' time, time, I'm going to do some looking forwards. And in the middle, really, I'm just the bookends to Alison. She's in the middle. She'll do something amazing next week. And no doubt, she'll have us looking upwards because she always brings that eternal and heavenly perspective. So looking backwards. Now, there are bad and good ways of looking backwards. We've got to be careful here. I had a friend who was once caught up in a traffic jam near the front of where a crash had happened on the motorway. He was so near the front of where it happened, he got to talk to one of the traffic officers, and he asked the traffic officer, what caused the crash? And he said it was rearview mirror syndrome. He said, and apparently a lot of crashes on the motorways are caught by people looking in the rearview mirror too much that they miss what's going on. Now, it is important to use your rearview mirror sometimes, isn't it? It is important to do that. But if you do it too much, accidents happen. So, and, and the scripture itself seems to have this kind of ambivalence about looking backwards. It says, sometimes forget the former things. I noticed somebody wrote that down on the prayer wall uh, this week. So I hope you don't mind that I'm looking backwards now. Because it also the scripture does say, remember the former things. And, and so you've just got to know when to do it and how to do it. Here's a couple of bad ways we can look backwards, which I don't want us to do. Nostalgia is a bad, and I, by the way, this bad ways of looking backwards, this is a weakness for me. This is an area I have to guard myself in. Looking backwards to remember, oh, do you remember when? You know, the good old days. You know, when we did this, oh, it's all gone downhill since then, hasn't it? You know, that's, that's nostalgia. It's not healthy, okay? Another way, which I can be guilty of at times, is looking back with regret. And of course, we all have some regrets. That was one of the songs that I thought on, you know. Regrets, I have a few, but then, you know, I'm joking. We can, have, we can look back at regrets and say, oh, I wish we hadn't. Oh, why did, why did I do that? If I knew then what I know now, I would never have. You know, and you can start thinking like that and full of regrets. So we're not going to look back in that way, either nostalgia. But instead of nostalgia, let's look back with gratitude for all that God has done. For the, instead of regret, let's look back to learn some lessons from our journey. You know, there's a famous quote from a, a Christian philosopher in the 19th century, Kierkegaard. He said this, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. 
Um, but I, um, I, you know, I, one of the things I want to do as I as I go into my next venture is to is to write. And I'd like to write books. There's one book which I know, I know I've always planned to write books and always talked about it, never got around to it, but there's one I've got to write. I feel commissioned to write. But then there's other ones that I just now and again let my imagination run away with me. I think I'd like to write them. I wouldn't mind writing that one. And I've got one which I'd like to call Lessons Learned Backwards. And looking back, and lessons, well, lessons are learned backwards. But my subtitle is going to be, decide on the subtitle at least. I've got that far. My subtitle, my subtitle is going to be things I wish I'd taught my children, but I'm only just learning myself. It's quite a, quite a good subtitle. So we at least like the title and the subtitle. If I never get around to writing it, at least you've got the subtitle. Anyway, so we're looking back, and what did we learn? And this is not personal reminiscences, by the way, as we look backwards. It's not, it's not just, oh, do you remember? Do you remember when Jim and I did some ballroom dancing at the front of the, the meetings? We're not, we're not doing that. I, or do you remember, going even further back, do you remember when Alison and I dressed up as Batman and Robin for one of the meetings? Anybody remember that? Yeah. So you think, what church have I come to? No, well, we're not going to do that kind of stuff. Why? Well, because we haven't all been on that journey for all those years. Some of you have come since. Some of you are new to us, praise God. So we're poised at the edge of promise, and we've come from different paths to this place. What we are going to do, though, I think, is look backwards in a way that all of us, wherever we've come from, have, have, will have learned. I hope we, we will have learned, whatever our journey has been. Certainly we have learned as a family here, those of us who've been around a few years. And the first lesson, what is the first lesson we learn, I, I think, that, that Moses draws attention to as they stand on the edge of promise and that I want us to learn from. The first thing as you look backwards is you see the faithfulness and the goodness of God. That's the first thing you see. I've got to be careful I'm not going to end up in, as a mess on the floor <laughs> over these next two weeks. But uh, God has been so faithful to us, hasn't he? He's been so good. And that's one of the things that came out of that song that Alison uh, read to us. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he? There are other scriptures, let me read to you, that, that, that uh, Deuteronomy draws attention to. He is the rock. He's a firm foundation. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just a faithful God. Oh, that's one I've just read. Who does no wrong, upright and just as he. Here's another. It was worth reading again. Anyway, here's another one. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place, this point on the edge of the promised land. Here's another one. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. He has been and is a faithful God. Consider your journeys for a moment. Consider the journey that we've been on as a church family over the past, tw past 25 years and longer for many of you. Hasn't God been faithful? Despite the disappointments, despite the setbacks, despite some of the things that we did wrong, he has been so faithful to us. Even when we didn't get everything that we wanted, there are people here who we wish were still with us, who are with the Lord. We didn't get the answer to prayer that we wanted, but we still declare God is a faithful God. And they've gone before us and they're cheering us on. 
There are some who are no longer with us who we wish were with us. But God is faithful. God has never forsaken us. He's never abandoned us for one moment. God is a faithful God. Do you realize when I look back and I think of some of the, some of the times, some of the challenges, some of the struggles that we went through, and there have been difficulties on our journey, I can honestly say there was a time, you know, when I didn't even know whether I should tell you this, and I certainly never told you it before. There was one leader, everybody had an opinion, and not a leader in, the, in this church, for example. One leader said, maybe you should just, just give up. Maybe you should close the church. That wasn't what God was saying. And look at us now. Look at what God has done. Look at the place that he's come to, the, the peace that is in this house the grace that is all over it, the growth that we've seen over the last uh, few years and, and just the excitement about the future he's leading to us. God has been so faithful and we give him thanks and we give him praise. You know, he's faithful despite our foolishness and our faithfulness. A lot of what Moses had to say to them was, look, the generation before you, they were so faithless a grumbling, complaining, I'm not saying this about you, by the way, a grumbling, complaining, rebellious, foolish people. The Bible doesn't, you know, you know the Bible doesn't pull its punches. Even Jesus would say, how foolish you are and how slow to believe. Speak to us straight sometimes. Sometimes we are foolish. Remember that hymn, dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways. Reclothe us in our rightful mind. In purer lives thy service find. In deeper reverence, praise. We are foolish sometimes, aren't we? We don't, we don't do what he says. We don't listen enough. But I'm so glad Paul wrote this to Timothy. Even though we are faithless, he is still faithful. And John, in his letter, writes, if we sin, if we mess up, and then we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and clean us up, ready to move on. Aren't you so glad that God is faithful, even when we're faithless and foolish? And you know what? As we look forward to the future, I know I'm looking backwards today, but as we do think about the future, I, I wish, I pray, Dan, as he takes over the leadership, every success. I wish and pray for the leadership team that emerges over the next year or two, every success. I wish us all, and here's, by the way, is another way I'm not paralleled with Moses. By the way, I'm not setting myself up as Mo, like Moses, by the way, but here's another parallel. I'm not, um, I'm not like Moses. I'm coming, and Alison and I are coming with you into the future, into the promise that we've got. We're not, you know, we're coming. We're going to be a part of this. So I wish us all every success, but I'm really glad that our future does not depend on us being successful, but on God being faithful. Okay, that's what it depends upon. I want every success for us. And even in the times when there are difficulties and challenges and it seems to be going wrong, and those times will happen, God is faithful. So the first lesson we learn is the certainty of God's faithfulness. Here's the second lesson I think we learn is the importance of God's word. The certainty of God's faithfulness, the importance of God's word. The word Deuteronomy literally means a second law. It wasn't that the first law was bad and his book got a second one. It means a second reading of the law. The thing that Moses wants to do and spends 34 chapters. By the way, I'm not going to spend the equivalent of 34 chapters. Don't worry. But he spends 
Yeah, <laughs> do you hear that? Amen. Um, so, uh, but 34 chapters, more or less, or most of them, going over the law, explaining to them again the law that God had given them. Now, that's the Mosaic law. We've got something even better, a new and a better covenant. I know we're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Well, that's even better. Moses' law was good, but the Sermon on the Mount is even better. The law of Christ, even better. And we, we must value its importance. But out of the, this second reading of the law in Deuteronomy, a prayer emerges, which was a prayer that the Jewish people would pray every day. It's called the Shema. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I think it's called the Shema. And it's this. It comes in Deuteronomy. F- I'm really sorry, Paul. I wouldn't even bother trying to keep up with me today or because I'm all over the place. But Deuteronomy chapter 4, somewhere. <laughs> Five to six, I think, or something like that. It says, listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the word Shema comes from that first word, listen. Listen to the word of God. Listen to what God is saying. And again and again, throughout Deuteronomy, as Moses is preparing them for the future, he repeats them again and again, the importance of God's word. Let me, he uses quite creative and imaginative ways of talking about it. For example, um, I don't know whether I, I put this down even, Paul, but in Deuteronomy 30, it says this in verse 11. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. You can't say it's too difficult. Is it, not up, it is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us that we may obey it. No, the word, the word of God is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. And here's another one. Uh, Chapter 32, verses 44 to 47. I'm pretty sure I got you this one. And this is Moses and Joshua together now. Moses came with Joshua, son of Nun, and spoke all the words of this song. That's the song we were referring to in the hearing of the people. When Moses had finished reciting all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. By them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess." It's the most important thing is that you listen to God. You hear his word. You follow his word. Even as they go right into the promised land, the first things that God says to Joshua is, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate upon it day and night so that you might be careful to do what is written in it. Do you know, I I was looking up that word, careful. It's mentioned again and again and again throughout Deuteronomy. Be careful to hear God's word and to obey it. 
for there's no other way to be happy. I'm, I'm into singing old hymns at the moment. I don't know why. Trust and obey. I, I, I remember learning this when I first became a Christian. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. As we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Not only to be happy in Jesus, but to pursue the purposes of God, to move forward into all that God has for us. Trust and obey. <sighs> Moses, you know, he even gets two mountains in Deuteronomy and says, look, here's, here's life and blessings, follow the word. Here's death and curses. Here's one little reminiscence for some of you who may remember this. A great father to us, Tony Ling, did a great preach on this once, and he used to, he said, he even thought, he said, imagine Moses kind of tried to make it clear to them with his voice. So he said, you can either choose life and blessings, life and blessings, or death and curses. You know, remember that one? Life and blessings or death and curses. He's trying to make it clear to us the only way to life and blessing is through listening to God, hearing his word, trusting him, and obeying it. If I was to leave you with anything, I, in fact, I hope, I hope, I've... There may be many things I've done wrong. Don't amen that. <laughs> but one thing I hope that I've done is to show you the value and the importance of the Scripture, of God's Word. These are our very life. And one of the interesting things, by the way, is right at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses takes all the laws that he's been reciting again to the people, and he puts them in the Ark of the Covenant which represents, of course, the presence of God. It's the throne of God among them. Worship and word must always go together. We love worshiping the Lord, but part of our worship of him is to do what he says. So we need to hear his word and to follow it. Listen, it's the Shema says, listen, but it also says, love the Lord your God, and they go together. Jesus put it like this, if you love me, you'll obey me. Love means we listen. We trust and we obey. So that's the second lesson. I want to suggest to you, first of all, the certainty of God's faithfulness. Secondly, the importance of God's word. But the third one I want to talk to you about briefly is the value of spiritual leadership. So the certainty of God's faithfulness, the importance of God's word, but the value of spiritual leadership. There's so much here about how Moses had led them. And uh, that was an interesting experience for Moses. Right from the very beginning, actually, this was the word that God used to confirm to me when I was first felt called into leadership, where God says to Moses, or Moses says to God, rather, you have told me to lead these people, but you've not yet told me who you will send with me. Very important for a leader that he knows who's with him, <laughs> leading team. But, of course, God then goes on to show that he would go with him. So Moses had an interesting experience leading these people, but now he's, the whole point right now is to hand over to Joshua. And so he gets Joshua up in chapter 31, verse 7 to 8, and he says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. 
And so central to their experience is a, a clear, unambiguous transition from one leader to another. And say, God's with you the same as he's been with me, and he'll go before you, he will lead you. And then, of course, it talks about Moses laying hands on him. And all of that is instructive to us, although it's not exactly the same in the New Testament. There's still things that we can learn. And I realize, I say this in a culture and in a moment, even in the church, where it's challenging because there have been such abuses of leadership. One, again, on our BBC iPlayer even now and in our newspapers or our BBC News on, online about awful abuse of leadership. There have been, over the last 10 years, more scandals on, about church leaders uh, than I've ever known before <laughs> in the whole of my Christian life. Maybe I was naive before, I don't know. But I think it's been on the increase. And it's understandable. It's understandable when people, because of that, almost want to just not trust leaders. Abandon the whole idea of leadership. It's understandable, but it's not recommended because Scripture is quite clear that there is spiritual leadership. However, even in Deuteronomy here, in chapters 16 to 18, it talks about leadership being different from the nations around them. There are actually laws about how leadership should work in, in chapters 16 to 18. Um, and we've got to have a different kind of leadership than that's out in the world, especially at the moment with strong man leadership. It's got to be different. Uh, but it is clear. And, and, and one of the things that was different for Moses and the Israelites, the people around them would have leadership, which was like the leaders there were kind of semi-divine. They were godlike, and they could do whatever they liked. The leadership in Israel had to be under God's law. They were accountable to God. And there was very clear uh, guidance on how to lead God's people. And one of the things that God spoke to us about this transition period, God spoke to us when we first came back in 2017 after a break. He said it was to, it was to help to complete the transfer or at least move forward the transformation and then to move on to transition. Because God had taken us on this journey of cultural transformation in the church and a key part to that was leadership and how we did leadership. And uh, it's been very, very important. But it's about how we do leadership, not about abandoning leadership. There's a, a Jewish writer called Edwin Friedman who wrote a book called A Failure of Nerve. He's the guy from which we get this phrase you might have heard, a non-anxious presence. He's basically saying to leadership is about not, not what you do, but... Um, but he, he basically said this and pointed to research that showed that organizations, he said, who lack leadership do worse than those that have bad leadership. There's a lot of bad leaders out there, a lot of bad leaders. And we've had to change, many of us, <laughs> the way we've led. But he was showing that even when you have autocratic, authoritarian, bad leadership, it's even worse when you have no leadership, when you have a lack of leadership. So the answer to bad leadership, and there's lots of it, not only in the world, but in the church that has been bad leadership, the answer is good, Christ-like leadership, not to abandon leadership. So I want us to be careful that we don't devalue leadership because that's happening in our culture at the moment. Because when, in three weeks' time, when we lay hands on Dan, 
And we pray for him. There's, an, there's a thing happening in the Holy Spirit. There's a thing happening in the spiritual realm that's important. There'll be something, a, a responsibility and an authority that lifts off Allison and I, and you'll see us go, <laughs> sorry, Dan, I didn't mean that, I didn't mean that. But that is placed upon Dan, and he is, because he's called by God for such a time as this, then um, he will have the grace to carry it. We no longer will. But something happens in the spiritual realm that is significant, and we must honor that, despite the challenges that we see around us of bad leadership. We must honor him, and we must honor that. I say that, uh, well, I say it because it's one of the lessons, I believe, that Moses drew attention to in this time, just as they stand on the edge of promise, on the edge of a new change. But it's also because I want to bring a prophetic word to Dan right now, and I want to do it in front of you all. And it's bearing in mind the things that God has taught us about leadership, especially over the last five or ten more years about the nature of leadership, which I know Dan embraces. So I'm not saying this because I think, ooh, you know, just be careful. I'm saying I know he embraces all that I'm going to say, but, but you'll see what I mean when you hear the word, that I think it's important that he receives this because of the culture we're in right now, even within churches. Dan, I believe the word of God is this. Yes, make sure you live under God's word. <laughs> Thanks, Marcus. Yeah. Make sure you live under God's word. And hold yourself accountable to others and then lead. Listen to people. Be open to hear from anyone and everyone. But do lead. Work together as a team, drawing upon the strengths of others, realizing sometimes people will understand things better than you do on certain things. But lead that team. Of course, and you, this would not be your heart, of course, but never, ever ride roughshod over God's people. They are his treasured possession. But do lead them. Lead, you know, have the heart of a servant, but serve them through leaving, leading. <laughs> not leaving. Whatever you do, don't do. Don't serve them by leaving whatever you do. That's what I'm doing. No, no, no. I'm, no, no. no. <laughs> We're coming with you. Uh, Yep, don't think, and I know this is not you, but don't think more highly of yourself. Temptations can come. Have the heart of a servant, but serve through leading. Be humble in your leadership, but do lead. You will sometimes be misunderstood and even sometimes maligned, but keep leading with grace anyway. Yes, be aware you've got an ego. Every leader has, and it can get in the way sometimes. Be aware of your own weaknesses and your flaws but never ever use them as an excuse for not leading. Although we have learned much from God, in God's grace about how we lead, nevertheless, the word of God to you is lead. And don't be apologetic about leading. Be strong, be courageous, be bold, and lead. It really should come as no surprise to you or to any of you that just as he is about to take over the senior leadership of the church in a few weeks' time, the word of God to him should be lead. Okay. So three things as we look backwards. The certainty of God's faithfulness, the importance of God's word, and the value of spiritual leadership. 
but we learn things by looking backwards in order to move forwards. And that's what I'll focus on in a couple of weeks' time. But for now, let's pray. Can I ask you to stand? And we're going to worship again. Lord, thank you in your faithfulness you brought us to this place. You brought us this far. Thank you for all who have been on this journey in this place for many, many years. And thank you, Lord, for all of those who have joined us in more recent years and even months. We thank you. All about your faithfulness and your goodness, Lord. Lord, help us to be those who listen carefully to your word, who trust you and obey you, who follow what you say. The only thing we want to know, Lord, is what are you saying to us so that we can follow you? And Lord, help us to value the leadership we've given you. We thank you for Dan. We thank you that you give leaders to equip your church and to build up the body. Lord, go before him. Be with him. Fight for him when he, Lord, he needs that. Carry him when he needs that because you are a faithful God. But Lord, we pray your blessing upon him. And Lord, we thank you for leadership. Continue to teach us, Lord, how you want us to handle leadership how you want us to work out leadership and practice. But Lord, we thank you for the gift of leadership to your body. In Jesus' name, amen.